the next episode of Nerd Flicks and Chill will start in three, two, one, zero. Hey everybody, this is Nick. And this is Carrie. And we are Nerdflix Jill, and it's time for another Westworld recap. This is season three, episode three, The Absence of Field. Um, Carrie, I don't know about you, but like it's it's so hard kind of um watching the show and kind of like being able to do our normal analysis under <laughs> the kind of current conditions that are happening in the world. Yeah. It's so bizarre. It is. And <laughs> earlier today I was talking with a friend of mine and I completely compared to day-to-day life right now as to Westworld. I feel I'm in a constant loop. Every day is basically the same. It's like I'm Dolores or Maeve or any of the hosts laying in bed and I wake up and I go through the same routine just to do it over again the next day. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of feels that way. Mm -hmm. And there are so many, I think under normal conditions, there are so many like little nuanced things in this show that I would normally want to dive into and like expand upon. But I really find myself honestly this season focusing on the 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 larger story and and having less time to kind of dive into some of the mysteries and the theory crafting and some of those kind of things. There are some base level things that you can do that around in the show this season, but like I just haven't had the time to devote to it. Even though I'm home, you know, constantly thinking about you know your own health and the health of your friends and family and all of those things, it, it really does kind of take a toll on you. Well, it does. And I've, I, I don't know if anybody else is experiencing this as well. It's like, usually you could watch shows like this to completely escape and shut down and, you know, shut out everything for a little while. I'm having a hard time doing that. I'm having a hard time uh, allowing myself to be distracted by something like this. You know, it's like I'm wanting to be so in tune to what's going on and around me in our real world. It's it's really difficult for me to just completely shut down from it. And that's one of the things I'm actually really grateful that we do this podcast, because right now I am actually shutting everything down to focus solely on this. And after I do it, it's like, oh, that was that was good. Okay, now let me go back and see what's going on. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, it's 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 really hard to concentrate on stuff. And I also again, I don't know if um <laughs> if you're like me when you're watching these things and you're seeing people and you're like, "Oh, that's a really large group of people right there." Yeah, oh, gosh, know, they're right? like, "Oh, they just shook hands. Oh, that's not good." <laughs> you know what? If if <laughs> if if this gets rid of the handshake permanently, I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah. I think the handshake is one of the silliest social gestures. That it they is. Have. It is. Well, we're going to be like the Japanese. Maybe we'll just bow to each other. I've been doing the kid and play kick step. You know, mm, just kind of yes. hit feet. Um, but yeah, who knew Demolition Man was going to be so prophetic? <laughs> oh, <laughs> no man. toilet paper. Just one of just one of many movie hellscapes that we are turning into <laughs> slowly. Uh, all right, so let's talk a little bit about this episode the absence of field because this to me it's really about two characters it's about caleb and it's about charlotte hale or i guess you know charlotte hale in quotation marks um yeah 
it's it's really primarily focused on these two characters and and even the title the absence of field it comes from a poem uh that that is essentially about like when you are when you are part of a field you are taking up space uh that would that could go to something else mm. which is kind of what charlotte hale is doing in this particular episode so one of the things that i found that about this season and this episode in particular is i am truly fascinated by these characters and i'm fascinated by so much of the world building that's happening here mm. yeah i'm i think i am trying to fall into how we watched the show previously i know you were saying that you find yourself looking more outward or you know a bigger picture i'm still focusing in on the minutia um like i'm still trying to figure out what host charlotte hale is actually i have a theory on this now do you i'm really excited to hear that because I mean, I had an idea of who I thought it was, but then when I'm watching this episode, I'm like, I don't think it is. Like, I was trying to look or listen for any kind of gestures that were maybe similar or certain bits of dialogue or line exchanges or facial expressions or something that would give me a clue. And it just didn't, um, it didn't fit in for me. So I have a different idea of who I think it is. But I'm really interested to hear what you think. Okay. Uh, we'll talk about that one in a little bit. Okay. Cause I, I have a theory that I feel really, that I feel really good about right now on that. Um, and, and then of course, you know, this idea of, of kind of who you are and, and your own identity and what is known about you. It, it, there are some interesting parallels between Caleb's character and Hale's character here. But one of the great things too is that Hale has been kind of a character that has existed on the periphery of this show for the first two seasons, more last season than this season. Now, you know, she's full on kind of in the spotlight now as a, as a central character. And that's great because Tessa Thompson is awesome. And, um, you know, I, I like that they gave Hale a little bit of exploration here yeah. in terms of who she was. Even the idea that when she was still Hale, when, um, all hell broke loose in the park, that, you know, she in, in what she feels are going to be her last moment, she is trying to, to reach out to her son. She's trying to, like, there is humanity in her, despite how ruthless she is in her business. Yeah. Um, like I said, I I was almost distracted in, with a lot of that in tr in focusing way too much on the minutia, trying to figure out who she was, um, and then also how she was reacting to the things around her, and also trying to picture. Like I just kept thinking about, okay, here you have this artificial life form that's been plopped into this other body and immediately has to go into this other role and has been living this role for some time and it's like to me it was just confusing that at the outset she when she was being confronted by or not confronted but when the um i guess it was her ex-husband or whatever father of their child that's in the apartment and she's just like acting like she didn't know that there was a son, but then immediately went right into it. And like, there were certain things here that just didn't match up with me. Um, 
I don't know. There See, was I there was the a consistency. Her son is her trying to feel out everything. Yeah. Yeah, I was confused. I didn't know if it was trying to feel it out, if it was a really bad game of improv where it's like I'm I'm failing at this or there was some kind of a glitch where she forgot something. I just don't know how that transition happened or like what that process was. There was just something there that just didn't to me it just didn't compute. Like it cuz she's supposed to have been in that role for months now. So why now would she forget that there was the sun there? Like I unless this was at a different we're maybe seeing things out of sequence i don't know i don't know that it's that but there is something that happens in the beginning of this episode that's really interesting mm. and that is that dolores builds a hail right there was already a hail at the end of season three or season two so why build a second one mm. well i don't know and how how does dolores get from her pearl being in hail to not being in to being into the Dolores. Like who made that surgery? Who did that process? Well, we get the sense that that it is because in season two it ended with Dolores as Hale. Right. And so we assume that she gets out into the real world. Um Dolores as Hale creates a new body for regular Dolores, somehow gets her pearl back in. But then why create another hail? Or And I'm wondering if it had anything to do with maybe this is like a hail version two because the first one couldn't stop hurting herself in oh. the same way that this hail is hurting herself and that maybe they had to kind of like hit the reset button. Right, right. See, what I had assumed when I saw that was that was Dolores making the first hail. But I guess it Which wouldn't it could fit. Be. I don't know. Um, that's what I assumed that it was. But, you know, I don't know. But but I think that's a really interesting point, though, that if she's having to make multiple ones because there's that some kind of glitch that she's not accepting this new body, um, you know, because we did. I mean, we have seen that trying to place in a human consciousness, it, even in their own body, um, or a, in a facsimile body rather doesn't accept it maybe and i'm trying to think if if this is the first instance that we have of a host's consciousness being put into a completely different body aside from dolores last season right but she did have some kind of a weird purpose where she was conscious of it she did it on purpose so that would maybe give her a different perspective on it where this was involuntary yeah. and maybe it's now rejecting there, it. There is also another way to look at it. Um, and that could be that Dolores is still in Hale. Hmm. That's your theory. Well, my theory is that Hale is... So, okay, popular theories that from what I understand, you know, people think that it could be Teddy, which would be super interesting. Mm. Uh, that being said, and there, there is, there, there, there are a couple of small suggestions that it might be Teddy. There's that overhead shot of like her spooning Hale. Yeah. Which was a very similar shot to like her laying next to Teddy, mm -hmm. which I think is a definite possibility. 
Uh, I think even one of the trailers for this, uh, this season, or like, I think it was after the first episode, almost suggests that, that somebody is mentioning Teddy's name. Hmm. That being said, the last time we saw Teddy, he was in the Valley Beyond where Akechido went and all the other hosts. So they would have to really retcon some major events in season two to make that happen. Yeah. So Teddy is one, but I, I don't necessarily believe it. Um, a couple of other ones would be somebody like, um, uh, Clementine or yep. Angela. Those are Angela the two that seems, I'm thinking too. Angela seems more likely than Clementine because yep. Clementine is more of the enforcer. I almost see her as the, um, the other gentleman whose name I forgot. Uh, from the first episode, I could see that being Clementine as kind of the enforcer character. Mm-hmm. Yep, I could see that. Angela has played both roles. She has been kind of the uh, the person who can have, who can be seductive, who can also be violent, and we get those sides of Hale. Yeah. In this episode. Yep. But, and I think those are very possible. But I think there's a couple lines of dialogue that also suggest that there may be something even more interesting that's happening here. And I think it's the, she says something to the extent of no one knows you like me and no one knows me like you. And later on in the episode, when Hale chokes out that pedophile, yeah, she talks about how I remember what it's like to be me. And it makes me wonder if Dolores has somehow figured out a way to, effectively separate the Dolores personality and the Wyatt personality and have them in two separate bodies. Oh, interesting. That like it, it does make a lot of sense. Yeah. That is very interesting. And I really think you might be onto something there because I can't think of, I can't think of who the other people would would be, um, you know, because we're kind of running out of characters. If you assume that all the characters that went to the Valley Beyond are gone <sighs> and can't come back, that would mean Akechida gone, Teddy gone, um, Maeve's daughter gone. You know what? I just had an idea, too, and it goes back to that um, visual of them, like, spooning. One was wearing black, one was wearing white. They were making a yin and yang symbol. Right. I think right. and and we know how much this show is about symbolism. I mean, that right there is blatant symbolism for that. Um and I oh, I I think you might be onto something. I really like that. I also don't know if there would be much of a reason to keep the secret longer than this episode if it was just Angela or Clementine that was in there. Right. I mean, if it is Teddy, if it is Teddy, that also makes a lot of sense, but they would have to, they would have to kind of retcon some of what they did in the previous season. I guess you could always say that, you know, uh, the way she did with Arnold, she, or uh, with Bernard, she built him out of memory. Maybe she could do the same for Teddy and just keep the more ruthless sides of his personality. And I think, um, I think you have a pretty good argument that it could be him, but I kind of like this idea that she has somehow found a way to kind of separate these two aspects of her own personality. Yeah. Now, I I don't know how that separation quite works, 
Yeah, who knows? Um, well, I don't know. I mean, we've seen Bernard playing with that idea. Mm-hmm. You know, with his little clicker thing. Um, That's true. So they've already dropped that possibility in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think you are onto something there. And I think that makes it a little bit more interesting because I because how she is with Hale and says, you know, I how much I trust you and exactly with what you had said about no one knows me like you and vice versa. And I'm trying to think of anybody else that would fit into that. And the only other person I could think of would be her father figure. But I don't see him in that role now when I saw it more expansed into this last episode. That's what had me doubting it. I was like, I don't, I don't think it's him at all. Um, But yeah, I think I like this and I'm definitely think um, I may go back and watch, rewatch the episode with that in mind and see if I pick up on more stuff. There's also a line where Hale says to Dolores, um, when they were talking about the real Hale, she tried to kill us. And the maybe mm. it's like she tried to kill us, you and I, who Collective. are part of the same person. Yeah. Mm. You know, and I think that there are there are there are some ties in there that could definitely suggest that that's the case. Um so that that's my that's my theory on one of these big mysteries. One of the other mysteries of this show that I that I haven't quite gotten my head around yet is this Ciroc guy. Yeah. Is this dude who has seemingly infinite resources, who is seemingly the most kind of ruthless and villainous business tycoon you could possibly imagine. What does he need Westworld for? What does he need Delos for? Right. I, yeah. I, I don't understand why that is. Right. If anything, you think it would be the other way around. You think it would be like the people from Delos would definitely want a piece of, you know, what what he is doing with Rehoboam if their greater goal was to sell human beings immortality. Right. Yeah, I, I have to say, there's stuff like this in series or in multiple movies frustrates me and I'm going to use the most recent uh, example of that that I can think of and that is the most recent episode of Star Wars where all of a sudden they plunk in the Emperor as you know he's been behind this all along that's kind of how I feel other than the fact that we haven't seen this um, Ciroc person like we did the Emperor at the beginning of you know, throughout the other, um, I was going to say the other trilogies, I guess that would be accurate, um, where this guy just, he just plops in out of nowhere. And the only way that I think that I will be okay with him just kind of plopping in from out of nowhere is if somehow we find out in the course of learning more about him that there were things he had his hand in all along that we didn't know about. If they tie him into seasons one and two somehow, 
that it gets revealed that we kind of knew of him or something that, and we didn't know that we did. I hate when there's things that just plop in out of nowhere. And it's like, well, who is this? Where did this come from? How does he tie into everything other than just, okay, so this is the guy at the top. But it just, it makes it so uninteresting to me. Mm. Um, and that's like how I felt with the emperor. Like he all of a sudden in, in episode nine was just plopped in there. Oh yeah, it was him. But it doesn't make any sense. Like you haven't tied it in. You just threw something in there and it just feels like, it feels like an afterthought. It feels sloppy to me unless they're able to tie it in. And I'm not, I'm not willing to give up on this guy or um, the showrunners or anything because they're very smart and I, and they weave an incredible tale, but I just don't like how this just feels dropped in there and i'm just it's not sitting well with me yeah i don't feel that way only Mm. in the sense that we need we need an antagonist like there needs to be like and and we're now in a new world so uh it stands to reason that we would have new characters i was wondering if maybe like is he trying to purchase delos via hostile takeover so that he could try to get Dolores under control. Like, I'm just trying to figure out what his, his end game is. And then also who the mole is that's working inside of Delos. Hmm. And I, you know, I, I, I know Hale is one of them, but it's also implied that there is a second mole that's out there because it wasn't Hale who smuggled Maeve out of Westworld. Right. And there's not many other people who that could potentially be. Um, the first person that kind of comes to mind would be like the man in black, maybe like William. I'm surprised he hasn't shown up yet. I'm really yeah. surprised he hasn't. Yeah, I feel like this season is kind of being structured as different. Um, you know, they're they're not. They're focusing on certain characters within each episode, and I'm assuming they're going to bring them together in the second half of the season. Right. And I actually think normally that would not be the storytelling that I'm into, but I just feel like they've done such a good job with some of these characters and some of this world building that I'm very interested in seeing them all kind of interact with each other. Hmm. Yeah, to me, it just it feels very fragmented at the moment, which I get, you know, is the point if that's what they're doing. Um yeah, I just, I don't know. It hasn't, it hasn't drawn me in. And I don't think I've been as interested in it as I have past seasons. I don't feel as invested in it anymore. Um, I do when they show Maeve. And I don't, I don't know why. I just, I don't, I find her so much more interesting. But now that she's going to be with a Ciroc character and she's in the real world now am I going to find her as compelling and interesting I don't know I don't know well, and and then the real world is totally questionable too now as well, well yeah um, there's this whole thing about building a mirror world of our world I don't know if that was met metaphorically or literally right. uh, when Dolores is, is talking to um Caleb about that so I'm not quite sure 
And there's still a lot of mysteries there that, that, that have yet to kind of unfold. But I would also say that I really love the Caleb character too. I, I, I forgot how much I liked watching Aaron Paul on television. Yeah. Uh, the dude, dude is so good. Yeah. He did He's a really so good job. So good. This episode. And, um, yeah. Yeah. I, and I love the idea. I like, I love the scene of Dolores bring, taking him to breakfast and then having that entire basic like readout of a conversation that happened to yeah. him decades ago. And this idea that, that technology, like it's not just, um, it's not just data that they're collecting. It's, it's algorithms that, that run people's lives and it's society's way. It's, it's, it's the kind of overlord, corporate overlords way of deciding whether or not they want to invest in you. And they're projecting your outcomes. They're projecting yes. your decisions. And that is really, uh, interesting because I, I don't know. If Agreed. you work in a technological field, yeah. there's so much with algorithms and win percentages and, you know, all of those things that are starting to govern everything we do. I found that such an interesting concept and it, it made me want them to explore that even more. Um And in that moment, when she's explaining this to Caleb and he's kind of processing it and you know, figuring everything out, it was like, well, that's why I didn't get that job. And that's why nothing else has happened for me, because they foresee that I'm going to do this down the line. So why let me succeed? There's no interest in in, in investing in me. I just thought it was so interesting. And then I'm thinking, as I'm listening to Dolores tell him this, and I'm like, so where are they going with this? Because she was talking about wanting to take down the human world. But then she's doing this and letting him on that. It sounds almost like she's saving him. She's setting him free by taking down that Rehoboam thing or whatever it is. If that's what she is going to do, destroying that, she's in essence setting free the humans. And I was thinking that would make her like a superhero. <laughs> you know, she yeah, would have, yeah. she would have this knowledge about everybody and be able to set everybody free or is she just letting him know that and then ultimately she's going to take over this thing because then she can control everything i don't see her as being that i don't see her as being the one wanting the power and the control she's always been the liberator yeah and you could also make the argument that maybe her worldview is um you're either a host or you are one of the ones in control and it doesn't matter what your parts are right you know caleb is as human as anybody that we that we know of i guess but at the same time dolores finds commonality with with him in his story but right. even caleb as a human his life is also tied to uh this drip thing that he has in his mouth that can yeah. help him regulate pain and things like that so you know in the real world, the humans are becoming more like the hosts that existed in Westworld. Yeah, and they're they're confined by some unknown to them force that tells them, uh, directs them in different ways, uh, unbeknownst to them, much like with the hosts. Um, right. So that's what I found was really interesting, that it appeared to me that what Dolores was... Um, conveying sounded more like she was wanting to liberate 
people than to destroy everything. Or maybe it's like a metaphysical or not metaphysical, metaphorical, rather, (laughs) destroying it, destroying it as they know it. This this these chains that everybody's bound by destroying that and then thus setting everybody free. Yeah, but I think that's the goal of any revolutionary, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Based on their own perception, right? Every revolution thinks they're every revolutionary thinks they're fighting for the oppressed. Right. So I think that's kind of well within her character's, you know, psychology. Oh, there. definitely. I, I think it was just the perception of how what she was originally saying that she was going to destroy it. Me and us thinking, oh, she wants to kill everybody. She wants to kill all the humans, but that's not it. Yes, she's wanting to destroy it, but it's in a way to liberate everybody. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I think that I think there is internal conflict happening with Dolores. I think um that's part of the reason why Bernard was brought back. Um I, I also think that Ford is somehow gonna play into this somewhere. Mm. I just think we haven't heard any mention of that character. There's yeah. also, there's, I mean, I don't know. He's like a ghost that hovers over the show at all times. Yeah. You know, I, there were I, even people theorizing that, that, that Ford is somehow Hale. Hmm. Because nobody would know the inner workings of Delos like Ford. Right. Hmm. But you know a detail that I loved? What's that? Is when the ambulance comes and they are, they have the EMTs in there, in the ambulance with Caleb. They were talking about how they will not do anything until she gets, until they're able to find a diagnosis and treatment. And Caleb is just like, she needs oxygen. And I love the idea that we are set so far out into the future that these EMTs are so reliant upon technology that they oh, need right. they need the okay from technology before they even begin treatment. Yeah. Whereas Caleb, who has more practical knowledge based off of tangible experiences, can kind of diagnose and triage immediately. Well, I mean, in a simplistic view, and thinking of how much people would be using technology as a crutch like that, that yeah, if you are in any kind of medical or technical field, your knowledge is based off of what that what that technology gives you. Like, for example, with us now, like I said, oversimplifying it, like, what's my phone number? I know by heart, you don't know what my phone number is, but it's in your phone. You don't have right. to remember it. Right. I could not tell you my mother's phone number, but I can tell you the phone number of the house where I grew up. Mm-hmm. You know, I it's technology has helped us, but in a way it's it's hindered us like there's certain things I don't remember because I don't have to. Right. And yeah, it would totally make sense for um, people in any kind of medical field like that, that they wouldn't know that that's what she needed without being told. They're relying completely on that technology. Yeah, and just the artificiality of the real world is is a very interesting thing to watch. And I I think one of the things about the show that I'm loving this season is just the world building that they're doing in the real world because it feels like a potential outcome. Like it feels like it could mm. very much be grounded in reality. Yeah. 
And I think that's, that's part of what's so fascinating about this. You know, uh, there's, you know, elephants don't exist anymore. That's a kind of a callback to, yeah. uh, William's daughter back in, I think, season two. Yep. And why they have some of those things in Westworld that they just don't have in the real world anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because, you know, if, if you were to look at our world a hundred years ago, minus the global pandemic that's happened a hundred years ago and now, um, there are a lot of things that are dramatically different. And, but now it seems like the last, I don't know what, 20, 30 years, things have not advanced that much, um, on the surface. So even if you were to look, you know, so many years in the future, there are some, th- it's going to still look familiar. Like people aren't going to be wearing, necessarily wearing crazy clothes and it might be a different style or, you know, some th- different little details that might be a little bit different in hairstyles and, you know, whatever, but it wouldn't be so completely foreign. But then like they've created this future world and grounded it really in reality. You know, there's yeah. still, there's not flying cars. I mean, there's like, the, the, there's been advancements in like the planes and the autonomous vehicles. And those are things that are happening that are being experimented with now that, you know, who knows so many years in the future. Yeah, that's going to be totally, that's going to totally exist. But there's still that grounding of reality in things now. So it doesn't. It seems more realistic and more possible, and we're not watching like an episode of the Jetsons or right. something. Well, even the Delos headquarters is a real building. Yeah, it's in Spain. It was amazing. Yeah. Well, and even stuff that they have um, when they're walking in the streets of what's supposed to be Los Angeles, that's in Singapore. And it's crazy because there's some stuff that I'm like, I, I think I've been there. Because there is some, some of the architecture in Singapore is amazing. Um, and a lot of the cities in, um, Asia have just really incredible kind of futuristic-esque looking architecture. Cause I think, I think in the next episode, there was a little bit of a, a snippet where it looks like they're on the water. I was like, I've been there. I know exactly where that is. I have been there to that waterfront. Um, yeah, it's, it's, they, they've done a really good job in creating this future version of everything yeah i agree yeah and the the showrunners talked about how they presented um how they presented some of the buildings and the shots of caleb almost looking like with all the leading lines looking like a spider web that he's Mm. getting caught up in kind of dolores's web yeah uh, throughout the episode which i thought was really really cool there's so much thought and attention to detail in this show that i really dig it yeah i agree although there's one little thing that I'm a little bit bummed about that I actually I really enjoyed it. I got very excited and then it went nowhere. And it was it was Caleb's coworker. His robotic coworker. Like that sense that he was in trouble. And I love the fact that he engaged and it was just like, oh, let me just get out of these chains. Like he could have been out of those chains at any time. But he's just, you know, that's his lot in life, his, you know this robot and then he like activated and broke out of his chain and went to go and like save caleb and then just got pushed over the edge i was like oh i was i was wanting to see some kind of 
relationship. I mean, it did show a strong relationship there, but I was wanting to see something more. I was like, oh, he's gone now. That kind of upset me. Yeah, I think we're being set up for something there, too. Hmm. Um, there is just no point. There is no point to have that thing get up and just fall off of a building. No, I agree. It was it was very strange. Unless it's going to reveal something else, and I think it may tie into when um, Hale looks at that riot control thing that basically Voltron's mm. together out of five separate containers. Yeah. yeah. That apparently they need like three hundred thousand of them in Saudi Arabia because I don't know what the hell is going on there. <laughs> But there are these riot control things and, you know, again, it's kind of, it's, it's Chekhov's riot control robot. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. We're going to see something involving robots this year uh, on his show where, you know, actual metal robots, not the ones that look like Dolores and Maeve, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's going to be interesting. Um, and I can't imagine. Yeah. Like I said, that that would just end so abruptly. There has to be something else. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. There's definitely going to be something something more that comes out of this. What did you make of the little markings that Hale was kind of carving into her own skin? Oh, the circle and the line. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't I don't know because I I don't recall that we've seen I mean, we've seen symbols and such. Um, like with the, the maze and, and whatnot, but I don't recall seeing something like that. I thought at first that it was, uh, and I could be speaking totally, um, irrationally. I, I don't, I'm trying to remember what it was that it made me think of. And it's some kind of like, I don't know if that was a symbol for like an electronic, like connection or something. I'm not sure. I I could be totally making that up or trying to trying to make some semblance out of it. I'm not sure. But um I I don't know what it is. I was trying to think of it within the show and then trying to think of what it could represent outside the show. Does, have I seen something like that before and I'm not entirely I'm not entirely sure. In to make a long story short. I, I was wondering if it had something to do with the weird circular shape that seems to be involving like Rehoboam. Mm, I didn't because think it, so. It almost looked like one of those like like graphs where it shows the divergences. Mm, yeah. I couldn't get a good look at it though. Yeah, it, to me it just looks like a circle with a line coming out of it. Um, but it didn't it didn't resemble that enough to me. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I know that it does have some kind of, um, meaning behind it because it's very little that <laughs> they would do anything like that where there is no meaning. So I just don't know what it is. And then another little thing that I noticed in this one is when, Hale goes in to see her son. Did you notice his um his pillow? No. They're little arrows that look like the arrows from the opening credits. Oh, no, I totally did not notice that. Because they start out as like um what do you call them? Like those like spore things, like the 
like the I guess dandelion spores, right? Oh yeah, yeah, the little puffs that you blow off a dandelion, yeah. right? And then they turn into arrows in the opening credits, and those mm. arrows appeared on the kids' beds bed sheets. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So that's Why? another kind of weird thing. Not sure what that really symbolizes, if if much of anything. But I, I feel like a lot a of theory. this, <laughs> a lot of this episode is really about kind of belonging and like what your place is, and you know the things that are that that kind of lie beneath the surface in terms of trauma and and all of those things, and you know how we how we choose to kind of. I don't know how we choose to kind of find our own identity again. There's so much of that that's happening uh, within these characters. So I'm very curious to see where it goes from here. I actually found this episode fascinating. I really mm. have enjoyed it. Um, even though it doesn't, it, it's, it's a much different show and I could see why people that got on board one uh, in the first season may not be as on board this season because the show has completely changed. Yeah, it but has. I am still very much along for the ride here. Yeah, I I'm still I'm still on but I'm feeling more disconnected from it. And and that connection comes and goes. Like there's little bits of of stuff in this last episode that piqued my interest. The second episode I was totally in hook line and sinker. This one again I was I was mildly interested in points um i'm just i'm i'm looking forward to seeing how they all come together because to me it still feels very fragmented um and i i don't feel as connected to it um it just it just i don't know it it feels so separate to me but i can understand you know a show um it could feel really stagnant if they kept doing the same kind of thing it could get really boring. I mean, look at The Walking Dead, for God's sakes. <laughs> it just it just seems to just never... It's the same shit over and over again. And I gave up on that show a long time ago. Um, so I do applaud their involvement. They're wanting to grow and, and develop this show and not stay in that same um vein that they have had the show in so it's just it's just gonna take some getting used to for me and i'm just looking forward to seeing where they go with it i'm looking forward to seeing how they tie it all in uh i i trust them because they are such good storytellers but i'm not all on board yet Hmm. but i have not given up hope I haven't given yeah, up on the show. I love it. I I, I think they're having a. I, I I'm really enjoying it. I don't I don't think it's fragmented as much as it's intended to be. Um, yeah. I think that I think that one of the things that I'm most interested though is how they start to kind of intertwine some of these different character arcs because I think that while the battle lines seem very clearly drawn, I think there are things that are going to. Um, there are things that are going to change dramatically from what we expect them to be. Yeah. As as it always does. All as it right. always does. Yeah. I'm I'm I, Nick, I'm actually really proud of some of the insight that you have um on this episode in particular. I I really do think you're onto something with the whole Dolores Wyatt, Dolores Hale thing. I think that is brilliant. Thank you. 
Yeah. But I think it's, I, I actually don't think it's, I, I think it's, I think it's something that, um, is very possible. I still feel like Teddy could be in there somewhere. Mm, I don't think so. I don't think so. And, and it's not to say, and the reason why I don't think so is because, and I don't want to make it sound that, like, I think Teddy is an idiot, but I don't think he's that smart to be able to pull off the hail thing. Hmm. I just, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't think his programming is, is that good to be able to pull that off. I don't buy it. Yeah, I think if you watch it again, I would go back and and just look at it from the perspective that one of them is Wyatt and one of them is Dolores. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's brilliant. I love it. All right, so you guys have heard our thoughts on Westworld Season 3, Episode 3, The Absence of Field, but we'd like to hear yours as well, so hit us up on Facebook and Twitter at NerdflixJill. Also, check us out on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you're listening on one of those platforms, throw us a five-star review. We'd greatly appreciate it. You can check out all of our new stuff at lrmonline.com. And while you're there, check out the network of podcasts. A lot of good stuff there for you. want to thank you guys for listening. We'll be back with another Westworld recap next week. Until next time, may the Force be with you because the night is dark and full of terrors. <laughs>